We are. We are. We are cultivate. 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 We are cultivate. Bedlam is likely a word that you're familiar with. Although it usually refers to a highly chaotic circumstance, the word implies more than just turmoil. The word bedlam conjures up an unstable, out-of-control environment. This is very appropriate, given the development of the term bedlam as a moniker for Britain's most infamous mental asylum. To give it its official name, the Bethlehem Hospital was a well-known landmark in London that, throughout the course of its erratic, century-long history, not only gave the city a dread-inspiring repository for its darkest anxieties, but also served as the ideal example of how alarming the line between sane and insane used to be. Hello, everybody. It's Dom, and welcome to this week's episode of Horror House. Before we get started, uh, as always, please take this as your reminder that you are a amazing human being doing amazing things. You are beautiful inside and out. You're awesome in so many ways, and the fact that you're here means you're pretty. You're pretty goddamn cool for one. Um, but it also means that you're continuing to support us and we love you for it. We love your support. We never take it for granted. So thank you for taking time out of your day to to listen to this episode. Um, so as you can see, um, it is it is just me today. Amy is taking a well-earned break. I mean, that's what she says, really. She she just doesn't want to record for you people. You people. I'm joking. Um, she is taking a well-earned break. She is currently at home in Scotland. Um, so I am taking this episode solo today. Please do <laughs> remain. Please do keep listening. Please don't leave. Um, it's a pretty interesting subject that I will be talking about today. It's not a true crime case. Um, we have been doing things that aren't true crime recently. So we've done a couple of paranormal episodes. Um, this one is about a um, old, well, not old, it still exists. Um, but an old as in it's existed for a long time. Um, mental asylum, insane asylum, mental hospital, however, however you want to frame it in good old uh, Britain. So it's quite an interesting place. Um, so I hope that you stick around. Before we get into that, however, I just want to say a massive thank you. And I'm sure Amy uh, would also say thank you if she was here. Um, but she is probably saying thank you with me in spirit um, for the love that um, our Amityville episode has got on YouTube. I don't know what it's at now. It's at like 700 and something views. It's got like nearly 20 likes. Um, it's by far our best performing YouTube episode. I think we've gained like 20 subscribers from that one episode. Um, so if you're a new subscriber, thank you. 
um if you've given it a thumbs up thank you um and just it was so unexpected uh i was just looking at the youtube studio um you know and it was just going up and up and up it was it was popping off so yeah it's pretty surreal but also thank you um because it's it's pretty it's pretty cool that's enough of me rambling um let's get into let's get into the case of of bedlam shall we um or to give it's give it give it its official name bethlehem um royal hospital so bethlehem was established in the 13th century uh as a priory honoring saint mary uh of bethlehem um like many other medieval hospitals by the year 1400 it had evolved into a medieval hospital um you know hospital um which at the time simply meant quote a refuge for strangers in need rather than providing medical care as you know you would expect from a a typical hospital of, of you know nowadays um, its intake inevitably contained many vulnerable in- individuals uh, who were labelled as insane. Um, and I use air quotes for insane because remember, children, at this time period, if you so much as sneezed, you would probably be chucked in a mental asylum for it um, because they would say that the devil was trying to escape um it crawled up your anus and is now trying to escape from your nose um sorry about that picture (laughs) enjoy um but yes the what constituted as insane in this time period is very different to what you would say what you would class as insane um you know in the 21st century so just keep that in mind um by the end uh, of the 14th century, the hospital had established its reputation as a specialized mental asylum uh, for persons with mental health disorders. Uh, Bethlehem would have been at the forefront of mental health care uh, because it was the only facility of its kind in Britain at the time. And I say would have because, you know, it's the 14th century um and treatment for mental disorders in asylums during this time period and you know even in this you know 1600s 1700s 1800s um was interesting shall we say uh, sadly the forefront of mental health care in medieval britain involving uh treating mental illnesses like physical disorders uh by bleeding, um, blistering, defecating, and making patients vomit, uh, quote, melancholic humours out of their bodies. It goes without saying that these treatments, which were used for uh, centuries, would frequently end in death. One of the methods of ridding a patient of the, quote, melancholic um, uh, humours was rotational therapy which was created by Erasmus Darwin. Yes, Charles Darwin's grandfather. Um, It would have often comprised of placing the patient on a chair suspended from a beam by ropes tied to its legs, 
Uh, the chair would then be rotated 20 to 40 times in one direction before being let go and then being allowed to spin back to its starting position. Um, it, it's like the it's like a really crappy roller coaster. <laughs> so yeah, that that doesn't sound particularly fun. Like I like roller coasters. Don't get me wrong, but I don't think I'd want to be tied in a chair and then spun um, like that. Yeah, I'm, I'm good. I am good. It's um, believed. Um, that this treatment would effectively clear the intestines, bladder, and stomach, as well as leave an impression on the organs of sensibility, um, which is the brain and the nervous system. I mean, it would it's an effective way to make something come out, absolutely. Um, I'm not sure if there would be any uh, melan melancholic humours that would come out. I think it would just be more projectile vomit um that would be that would be ejected um to be honest in addition uh it was believed that this treatment would uh create a restful slumber um in a patient uh, similar to rocking a baby to sleep not sure i'd buy that comparison but hey i suppose being gently rocked to sleep and being spun in a chair until you until you projectile vomit is pretty much the same thing right right um in the 1680s uh bethlehem instituted cold bathing as a means of shocking patients out of their mental sickness i, I don't mean to laugh i'm not laughing at you know the mental illness i'm i'm laughing at the fact that treatments like these were looked as as you know steadfast ways to treat mental illness it's it's baffling um to be honest it's, it's it's crazy when you look at this in like 2023 eyes or 21st century eyes it's wild absolutely wild uh patients could be sprayed with cold water um submerged in cold water for an extended period of time um or wrapped in ice soaked cloths Inspectors from the 16th century declared Bethlehem unfit after conditions um, had deteriorated so drastically. Um, by the 17th century, the term Bedlam had entered uh, the general lexicon and had become a chillingly satirical byword for the horrors that may await one who is unfortunate enough to be admitted to Bedlam Hospital. Um, Bethlehem Hospital. Or Bedlam Hospital. <laughs> Either way, it's applicable. When the hospital's second iteration was built in 1676, it was unlike any asylum that had ever been built. And with the preceding building being a cramped hovel with an open drain running through it, the need to upgrade was um, quite painfully obvious. It's 540 uh, foot long. Uh, or 165-meter facade was designed by Robert Hooke, a city surveyor, natural philosopher, and Christopher Wren's assistant. And he was inspired by uh, Louis XIV's uh, Tuileries Palace in Paris. For any French listeners, sorry. Um, <laughs> if I've absolutely destroyed that, I'm sorry. Uh, please don't go. Please stay. Um, 
It overlooked uh, manicured gardens with walkways um, bordered by trees. The entire impression was not that of an asylum, but rather the lavish Versailles, Versailles estate of the French king. I'm so sorry, French people that are listening, if you are listening, there are any French people listening. I do apologize. Um, Please do let me in uh, to your country soon so I can go to Disneyland Paris. I've got a trip coming up. (laughs) Please don't make me cancel it. But yeah, that sounds fancy, fancy, right? Fancy, fancy. Better than a, a building with a sewer that's running through it, essentially. This daring new iteration of Bethlehem, which some some refer to as a palace for lunatics, was intended to be a sign of civic pride and compassion, representative of a community that was working hard to re- reinvent itself. Bethlehem's magnificence, however, turned out to be entirely fictitious. The lavish facade of the building was so weighty that it immediately would start to crumble, um, exposing the residents to substantial leakage. It even turned out that the hospital, uh, which was built on the London Wall's ruins, uh, lacked sufficient foundations. In reality, it was hardly more than a weak facade, and the building's blatant superficiality was entirely plain to see. And on that note, let's take a quick break um, before we talk about what conditions inside the walls of Bethlehem were really like. Hello, Twisted Humans. Do you find yourself wanting to know more about the latest murder, conspiracy, cults, or haunting? Then this is the podcast for you. We're bringing the most intense stories that'll keep you up at night. He was found guilty of voluntary manslaughter and felonious assault, but he was only sentenced to five months of probation. And this would be the last time that anyone ever saw him. Uh, There are allegedly two women who also drowned in the first class pool. Was this the same glowing green that they'd seen in the darkness the night before? He had refused to sit near the wagon cloth because of stains on it, which were most likely blood. Join us every Tuesday for a glass of wine or sangria and a dose of true crime. I'm Alicia. And I'm Sierra. And this is Twisted Twisted and and Uncorked. Dark Adaptation Podcast is a weekly podcast hosted by me, Brianna, and our producer Dyson joins me while working the knobs. Our show explores all things macabre and mysterious. We're talking dark history, true crime, haunted places, you name it. While we typically dive into lesser known stories, we do cover well-known ones too. And for those more let's say popular cases we deliver so much information you're guaranteed to learn something new and sometimes we're even joined by our guest host steph who brings a cosmic twist to the show our other guest host Paige, joins us every other month to bring us into the world of cryptids and folklore tune in every monday for a new episode full of intrigue and entertainment Dark Adaptation Podcast is available wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. And next Monday, we'll catch you on the dark side. Welcome back, everybody, uh, to part two of this week's episode 
um, all about Bethlehem Hospital or Bedlam um, to give it its unofficial moniker. We've talked about the history um, and the beginnings of the hospital. Um, it's moved to a new building, which is already crumbling. So that's that's going particularly well. Um, so let's talk about what conditions uh, inside the walls of Bethlehem um, were like. In its huge, creakily stunning new form, Bethlehem attracted morbid curiosity um, from the public and offered its governors a tempting opportunity to make money. In exchange for a small entrance fee, guests were welcome to visit Bethlehem and gawk at its inhabitants. The foremost mental hospital um, in Britain had effectively turned into a public attraction, second only to St Paul's Cathedral in terms of popularity. Um, Rather than walking the perfectly kept grounds or taking in the elaborate architecture, people wanted to see the crack-brained patients that resided there. Anybody for as little as a penny was welcome to enter the wards of the hospital in order to stare at, taunt, or abuse the inmates. And it's wild how that was even acceptable. Like, you know, that was seen as a day out for the family. Like, you know, not, oh, let's go for a picnic in the park. Let's go and walk around the grounds. Let's go for afternoon tea. Um, no, none of that. Let's go to the mental hospital and um, taunt and rile up the patients. That yeah, that's a good day out. That it's a good fact, and it only cost a penny. It's a bargain, absolute bargain. The governors uh, of Bethlehem utilized their tremendous power uh, to keep the hospital away from public scrutiny. This would work for a time until reform activist Edward Wakefield and a small group of MPs were allowed entry into Bethlehem's wards in 1814. The Bethlehem staff had been rejecting the visit for weeks and it would become quite clear why they would be rejecting the visit for weeks. The interior of the facility lacked hot water and was cold, dingy and dark. In the parts that were at least habitable, MPs discovered a number of people shackled to beds or walls in small, fetid quarters. Patients' limbs were found to be crippled with cold and subject to injury by the raving patients with whom they were chained. The sight of James Norris, who was characterised as a clear and coherent man, being firmly shackled by his neck to an iron bar in the wall struck the committee the most. After a decade of imprisonment, uh, Norris reported that his muscles were atrophying and aching and that he was wearing um, more metal restraints on his chest, waist, feet and wrists. Norris, uh, according to the staff, was violent and dangerous. um, But according to the MPs, he appeared calm and possibly, possibly even sane. And he probably... Like, there was probably a good chance that he was sane. Um, He just might have had depression or he might have had anxiety, something like that. And they were like, no, you're insane, mate. Off to to Bedlam. Let's chain you to the pipe. Yeah, yeah, pipe down. (laughs) Like, you're insane. You'd say we're going to stamp it on your wrist. 
having seen enough, uh, the inspectors would demand a parliamentary inquiry to take place. Um, I mean, I think I would have done it way before this point, though saying that it was pub it was the public that were allowed in because it became essentially a, a tourist attraction. And, you know, I, I think that this was the first time that, you know, MPs or inspectors or people that weren't paying public were allowed in. So it's a shame that it took this long. Um, but it's the attitudes of the time, you know, like I said, people paid to see, to see this because, you know, during this time period, this was acceptable conditions for people to live in an insane asylum. This was par for the course. The medical personnel, um, fared pretty poorly during the investigation, uh, with the pharmacist blaming others for the squalor and the chief physician Thomas uh, Monroe contending that nothing that MPs had observed was wrong yeah absolutely nothing was amiss at uh, Bethlehem Hospital absolutely nothing it was state-of-the-art everything was run perfectly yeah nothing wrong with <laughs> with this place absolutely nothing Bethlehem's medical staff would be dismissed, um, but the hospital's governors, not ones to let their power be usurped, immediately appointed Edward Monroe, uh, yes, Thomas Monroe's son, as the new head physician. Uh, reformers were, unsurprisingly, not exactly pleased with this act of defiance, um, but the House of Lords refrained from taking action to put Bethlehem under government control. The jarring contrast between Bethlehem's opulent exterior and the decaying disaster that was its interior, um, that its needy occupants were compelled to live in, became more and more obvious. The cost of maintaining this crumbling uh, civic, uh, civic edifice was deemed financially imprudent, and it was eventually demolished in 1815. But was that the end of Bethlehem? Absolutely not. Um, it it doesn't die. <laughs> it just keeps coming on back. Lessons had been learnt, and the combination of a new structure and new staff members brought about much-needed adjustments in its brand-new building in St George's Fields, south of the River Thames. Uh, patients were described as clean, amply supplied uh, with wholesome provisions and well-clothed, with none under restraint in a report from 1818. Although patient care and finances had improved, individual issues would still persist, as seen in the, the 1830 finding of apothecary Edward Wright um, being intoxicated in the female galleries um, with his clothing uh, dishevelled. When asked uh, what Wright's responsibilities were, a co-worker responded, quote, smoking and opening and taking off the heads of the dead patients occasionally. It turned out that Wright had established his own laboratory in the hospital's basement due to his Frankenstein-like fixation with the dead. Wright's secret was out and he would be immediately dismissed. Big yikes. <laughs> big, big, big yikes. Um, yeah, get get old right out jesus christ 
Um, these incidents, along with uh, two further financial scandals, did not directly concern the treatment of um, the patients. As a result, Bethlehem was free from laws enacted in 1828, 1832 and 1845 and was able to carry on operating outside of the law. Uh, reformers continued to raise their voices in opposition until Bethlehem's protection from external scrutiny would be finally lifted in 1853. The hospital had finally lost its independence after more than six centuries. This would draw a line under the notoriety of Bethlehem um, and made sure that going forward, the hospital wouldn't be associated with terror and dread that was for so long associated. Uh, William Charles Hood, the superintendent from 1852 to 1862, also did a great deal to improve conditions at the hospital. His goal was to develop um, real rehabilitation programs that the hospital's patients, not the administrators, would benefit from. Hood also advocated for keeping criminally institutionalized people apart from the mentally ill patients. Um, for his contributions to this position, he would eventually be knighted. Um, Bethlehem Royal Hospital would be relocated once more in 1930, this time to uh, Beckenham in Kent. Happily, its modern incarnation as a cutting-edge psychiatric hospital serves as a stark example of just how far mental health care has come from uh, or since the dark days of Bedlam. And that is the story of Bethlehem Royal Hospital, Britain's, most, Britain's foremost mental institution. Um, yeah, it's, it's wild just medieval views on you know mental health and you know not, and even you know victorian views um you know even into the 1900s like i say um it was still mental institutions or mental hospitals or insane asylums whatever you want to call them were still the conditions were still so so bad um you know and and obviously bethlehem was not a place that you would want to be um uh, for a long time for a long long time you know up until at least you know the mid to late 1800s it was a better time then than it was but it's got a dark history it's got a very dark history but it's a fascinating place you know this was this was sort of scratching the surface of of the hospital i do encourage you to you know to to hop on the internet and and look at you know articles and look at other sources um that talk about the hospital because it's a fascinating building it's got a fascinating history a dark history but if you're like me if you're like amy and considering you listen to us i'm assuming that you are and you love a bit of morbid history then it's quite a fascinating subject to to read up on but i do hope that you enjoyed um today's episode i haven't done a solo episode in a long time hopefully you enjoyed hopefully it wasn't so dull to listen to and hopefully you know you learned something and 
you know if it means that you go and look further into the history of you know bedlam bethlehem whatever you want to call it then that's very cool um but if you enjoy what we do please support us and there are there are a variety of ways that you can do that you can rate and review um so you can rate on spotify you can review on the uh website or on apple podcasts please do subscribe to the youtube channel um you know and and if you're watching this on youtube please like um you know like i said please subscribe please share also please follow the instagram page uh, at horrorhouse underscore pod and of course please follow us on your you on your uh, podcast app of choice whether that's spotify apple podcasts good pods whatever it may be um please follow us on whatever podcast platform it is that you use to listen if you want to support us financially there is the buy me a coffee link um we are always and forever struggling content creators um and a coffee would be very appreciated um so if you want to support us financially you can buy us a coffee or two coffees or three coffees we would very much appreciate that but until next time my friends all that's left to say from me is as always stay spooky